Hi, I'm Roy Crown from Revelation Trust and welcome to Gospel Entrepreneurs. In this podcast, I'll be finding out what makes Christian entrepreneurs stand out wherever they find themselves. Today, I'm joined by my great friend, John Kirkby. He founded an amazing ministry organization called CAP, Christians Against Poverty, an incredible organization who helped those struggling with debt. He's an amazing guy. He's done some fantastic things. So sit back and enjoy my conversation with John Kirkby. John, when do you think you discovered that you were entrepreneur? I mean, was it as a boy? What, you know, this entrepreneurial gift, this kind of ability to see a need or see a market and have a go, was it always in you? Yeah, it's really rough and really unsuccessful. <laughs> it was definitely, and potentially had some criminality attached to it. But anyway, yeah, so I think, yeah, age of, I wasn't particularly great at school. Um, Mild dyslexia, yeah, school wasn't the place for me. So I left school very early, 16. And I remember, you know, setting up, selling car accessory parts from a guy that I met. I remember inventing a flashing T-shirt before anybody had invented a flashing T-shirt, but the battery had to take around you, kind of was like a satchel. Wonderfully unsuccessful, but wonderfully exciting. The thing about an entrepreneur, something not working, it's kind of like, you know, that's how you can tell an entrepreneur. So a non-entrepreneur, if you do something, if I meet people who say, it didn't work and never again and things like that, I just think, man, not an entrepreneur. But if you meet someone who's really entrepreneurial, They've learned, you'll get there eventually, you will get there eventually, but you've just got to go, you've got to enjoy it and not be too precious about things succeeding or you'll never start. Yeah. You just do it, don't you, John? It's kind of, you you just, you know, it's not even the amount of money in the bank or whatever, it's Mm -hmm. just like, this is what I do. Yeah, I mean, I remember two of my friends, um, yeah, broke in somewhere. and And what age are you now, John? What age are you? 17. Okay. And... They were great, great burglars, but absolutely horrific business people. So they came to my house with boxes and boxes of this sports equipment. By the way, it's it's all passed, so I'm sure nobody will report me. Actually, I'm a police chaplain now, so hopefully we'll be okay. Um, and they just came to me and said, you know, with bo- huge boxes, do you want to buy one of these? And I just said, what are you two? What have you done? What have you done? Anyway, I basically then set up, yeah, three people in three schools and sold it through schools, which was a great entrepreneurial idea, only the fact that the school noticed that 40% of their 16 or 17-year-olds were wearing the same football shirt that happened to come from a factory that had been robbed a few (laughs) months before. So the police (laughs) came knocking. But as an entrepreneur, I was able to say, nothing to do with me. I just bought them. So anyway, but it's something in you, not the criminality. Please don't misunderstand me on that. Um, Yeah, my dad was terminally ill. My mum was... It was a grim situation I was in, so I had to do what I had to do. But, yeah, um, it's just there. But it's, it's, and the, the entrepreneurial in you is there, but then it was redeemed when oh. you, you basically, you still had it in you, but yep. salvation oh, yeah. came, to, you know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I would say, yeah, yeah, I don't know what's beyond the word redeem, really. So 30 years ago, I'd been reasonably successful in the world. I got into debt collecting, which my past slightly qualified me to be a cope in that world. And I'd worked up finance companies and 
then got to developing products for finance companies. Anyway, my, from where I came from, I've done really well. But underneath the veneer of success, entrepreneurial success, really broken. I was very broken, just my background. My dad dying when I was 18, my mum being sectioned, having to bring myself up, being rejected, deemed to be special needs because I couldn't read and write very well. You know, all that pain. And they're, they're big statements, but you just kind of threw them out there. But that was a big moment in your life when it in shaping you, John. Yeah, I'd, I was basically broken, lost and abandoned by everybody. My marriage had failed. I had two little girls. I was massively in debt. The entrepreneurial spirit, yeah, the B side of it is it's sometimes unbridled and I had no wisdom to bridle it. And the guy came along and he did two things. He, he showed me the love of Jesus first by bothering with this person who nobody bothered with, making sure me and my girls were okay. Great. Then he, then he told me about the love of Jesus. So, yeah. 30 years ago, I walked into a small church, heard about Jesus and dramatic acceptance of Christ. I would say, and I always say this to baby Christians, I probably was the worst ever baby Christian, Roy, to be honest. I mean, I was shot. If anybody's got any new Christians in their church and they're thinking they're bad and struggling, please, I would say persevere. You never know what might happen. But I was just lost. I was broken. I was, when it's an overnight thing, I praise God for it, please, please God. But for me, it was a couple of years, long, hard journey, and then really recovered. Then met Lizzie, who was... Your new wife, your second wife. 25 years we've been married now. And then we, the entrepreneurial spirit, this is where you know you've got it. So we were, yeah, we were about to get married. My career was back on the up and up. I paid vast amounts off my debt. I was earning, you know, significant money, just getting my beautiful wife. She'd take me and my kids on. It's like a sunset movie. And in March 96, I went into work. I was running a secured lending division. I sat down on my desk, looked out the window and just went, nah, I'm done. I'm done. And this is where entrepreneurial spirit meets Jesus, meets his kingdom. And I literally said, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to spend my life all about his kingdom. I want to help poor and needy people. And it's the worst possible time ever. Another sign of an entrepreneur, don't matter what the time is. And the entrepreneur will take the risk. They're like, even yeah. if it all goes wrong, I, it, I, it, it doesn't matter. It did really, in many ways. So yeah, I went home, told Lizzie, yay. Hi, Lizzie, we're 18 weeks off getting married. I'm going to give my job up and help the poor. Is that okay with you? And I remember leaning, <laughs> where do you want Auntie Margaret and Uncle Jack to sit? Because we're doing the place settings of the reception, reception that I now couldn't afford to pay for. But other than that, it was brilliant timing. Lizzie was amazing. Never once in 25 years we just celebrated our silver wedding. Has she ever doubted that God is in me and with me and that we get there really trusting God and trusting me? So we started CAP in our bedroom office with nothing apart from... The is is that because, because a lot of entrepreneurs, they see a need or they've been touched by a need... Yeah. And that drives them. So because you'd been through it, John, do you think that was it? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, obviously fully saved and fully in the kingdom of God as, as much as I can be in it. But, you know, I picked up some stuff along the way. You know, I've been in the world, man. I've learned to be entrepreneurial in a right industry and I've done well with it. So you have like an experience and a confidence that is kind of added on to the entrepreneurial gift. But you'll know if you've got the gift, if you never lose the fact that you'll just do stuff. For entrepreneurs, it's very. That's why you can tell one. Somebody listening to this, yeah. How do they know they're an entrepreneur? What, what, you know, if they're listening and think it's all yeah. well for you, John, you you grew yeah. a charity to thirty million turnover, yeah. two hundred yeah. centres around the country. Obviously, you were broken. It all. 
But how do I know if I'm one? How, how do I? Yeah, dead easy, dead easy. So as I've just listened, you've listened to me walking away from a fantastic job, massive bonus to get married 80 weeks before I get married to go help the poor in Bradford with £10. You'll have had one of two reactions. The vast majority of people simply, whether you admit it or not, just go, what a crazy guy. Why would you do that? But then there'll be a few people who listen to that and something will go, ooh, that's exciting. And then when I tell you that we didn't get paid on time for 13 years, we actually lost our home through just the sheer scale of financial challenge we had. But we kept going for 13 years. Again, the few people who are entrepreneurs or people who have been and are entrepreneurs, they'll hear that and they'll go, yep, yep, understand all that, understand all that. So I think, you know, it's, it's like you can just look at your own reaction to things will tell you. You know, what I mean is I never, ever sort of say that, you know, people need to be entrepreneurs. No, no, no. God knows we need to, If we were all entrepreneurs, there'd be no, there'd be nothing. I mean, it'd just be a chaotic ball of excitement, but it would be bad. So we can't all be entrepreneurs. But what you've got to realize is, you know, if you're not, that's okay. Loads of people are what I call second seat entrepreneurs. So they've got the faith, they've got the excitement, they love his kingdom, and they just sit alongside an entrepreneur and they go as far as the entrepreneur because they're with the entrepreneur. So nobody's excluded from the excitement of seeing God's hand. No one's excluded from being involved in stuff of his kingdom. No one. You know, just sheer math tells you not everybody's an entrepreneur or it would be, it'd be intolerable. Can you imagine a church full of entrepreneurs? I mean, it'd be chaotic as well. So, by the way, I know the B side of entrepreneurialism. To answer your question, you'll just know already. I don't know how many you'll have heard of your podcast before now, but if you're still listening and you've heard a few, there's a sign. You're, you're listening, you're interested, and it can only be a little seed initially, and you may not know fully, but, yeah, it, if you've got it, you'll start using it. And obviously, John, you did it, but there was someone who came alongside you when you were really broken. Was there someone when you were pushing out with Kat that was really alongside you, kind of believing in you? Or, or was it purely John and his wife having a go? Yeah, um, very sadly, particularly in the early days, you know, we had the opposite of lots of encouragement. In fact, with lots of people, you know, I had people sending me letters saying, you know, let me remind you, you've got a wife and two kids to feed. Who do you think you are? How dare you not fulfill God's calling to provide for your children? Wow. Thanks for reminding me. I've got two kids, you know, trustee who basically just went off on one and said, I don't want to be anything near everything you touch. It doesn't work. The only thing that's unique about you is you can't pay people. Uh, what else happened? I mean, and the rest. It's got loads, loads, loads of stuff. So I think, again, I'm not, I'm completely fine. And who wouldn't say that? Who wouldn't? You know, the evidence, you know, when you're surrounded by vast evidence that proves you're wrong, another sign of an entrepreneur. So people think people think that you're an entrepreneur because things go right. Listen, you're not. When things go wrong, if you're not an entrepreneur, you're in deep trouble. But if you're an entrepreneur and you're on God's agenda, be that in the world, be that in government, be that outside the church, wherever it is, God's with you, your heart's right, you're for him, then you don't really need everybody to say, okay. Now, as the years progressed, of course, I met some great mates, you know, I mean, Andy Hawthorne had a massive impact to me when I first met up with Andy. Another guy, Tim Morphin, guy who met me when I first got saved, who leads TLG. So I started to get a few friends. And really their encouragement was, John, if you think it's bad now, you ain't seen nothing yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, depends what encouragement you want. If you want someone to tell you it's going to be okay, don't go to entrepreneur. But CAP was the least known thing amongst least known things. You know, no, nobody knew it. it. Just helping a few people in Bradford, it was the most smallest thing ever and quite right. And it took 
10 years. 10 hard years. 10, 10, 10 years. We didn't get paid on time for 13 years, right? We knew we were doing God's will. We could see people finding faith. We saw poverty being relieved. We saw churches turned into their community. I had the closest, which continues to this day, my relationship with God was close, front and central. Me and Lizzie never blinked. We had good people come around us. We had people join us who believed in it. And we could not stop because the people we were helping needed us. You know, we'd created a need and that kept us solid. But yeah, not easy. No, definitely not easy, John. But I think the other thing that was key to it, that you always kind of get in these entrepreneurs, is you created something out of nothing. There wasn't anything there that you thought, I've seen this need, we've got to do something to meet this need. And even if we go under or whatever, at least we've had a go and we've tried to meet our need and our heart and our motive was right, because you were dealing with poverty, you were dealing with debt, which is still there today. But you kind of said, I've got some experience. I'm sure you didn't think you got it all, but I've got some experience. I know a little bit of what this is like. I'm going to put the little that I've got into God's hand and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I think I would probably just say everything of the little that I've got. Again, that, that would mark out an entrepreneur, I would think. You know, so... We had nothing, I mean nothing, um, but whatever we had, it's all in. You know, I often think of an entrepreneur a little bit like, a, you know, when someone just goes all in, that's the phrase people use, isn't it? Where people say to me, I'm sure they mean it more kinder than it sounds, but they'll say to me, well, it's, it's okay for you. You know, you see loads of miracles. You see loads of miracles. God does loads of stuff. He always turns up, you know, that can. And I understand yes. it, by the way. Listen, it's not a crit- I, I have no criticism of anybody in my heart. But I'll tell you what, the reason why me and Lizzie have seen miracles, the reason why I'm seeing some today and I'll see some next month and the year after and for the rest of my life is I put myself in a place where I need God to turn up. Because if he doesn't turn up, I'm stuffed. Sign of an entrepreneur. Sign of a, a Christian entrepreneur because you're putting yourself your faith in God. So I have seen vast amounts of miraculous intervention of the living God. Why? Because I've put myself in a place where if he doesn't turn up, I'm in trouble. And again, a, a Christian entrepreneur, whether they're doing it in church, in business, or in, you know, if they're putting him first, yeah, they will be like that. They will be all in. They just will be. But John... Going all in, you must have been worried. There must have been times when you didn't sleep well. There must have been times when full of faith and then an hour later full of, oh, what am I going to do? Or maybe you've never worried, John. You're just an amazing man of God, full of faith all the time. No, no, one of my great things is it's all written down. So I journaled for 15 years and it got printed into the book, nevertheless, which you can still get from Cap. And it's got it all in there. It's got the ranting, it's got the in the cave, pull the stone over the cave, it's got the sorry for me, it's got the I can't believe it, it's got where is God. And I often joke that, you know, when I get to heaven and I get my little chance, obviously I'm expecting to see him and maybe have a bit of a chat. You know, I can imagine me getting my journal out and going, look, before we go any further, how come we had our home, how come we got a repossession order when you promised that you'd provide a home for us? And he'll say, yes, I did provide a home for you, didn't I? I'll go, yeah, but it wasn't the way I expected it, exactly. So, you know, having disappointment goes along with it, but it never affected my faith because my faith, our faith was deep-seated, fundamental belief that all things work for the good. And we saw, slowly but surely, 
his miracles unfolding and that then gives us confidence and it is that kind of confidence that today that i'm living in you know that, so you did worry john you did have a few sleepless nights oh, yeah just yeah desperate i mean man you want to read you know i remember breaking down in a staff meeting like proper <laughs> absolutely bawling my brains out just could not could not face you know a house we were, you know we have to leave our home and we'd nowhere to live i remember oh my gosh i mean this is a, probably the best example but obviously as an entrepreneur you're a bit onward christian soul just kind of guy you know um and i remember sitting down with lizzie so she was seven months pregnant with our first our first bone which was abigail and I remember coming and bouncing into the kitchen by 11 o'clock because we worked in the house with five people working in our home. She's pregnant, seven months pregnant. I bounded into the kitchen and she said, Lizzie, 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 God has provided. She went, because you knew we need somewhere to live. We had to move. We just had to go. She said, oh, well, go on. What have you and him done then? I said, Avril's run up and offered us to live in a caravan in her back garden and it's not an old one. <laughs> I like bounding in. And she never, she never does anything. She's great. She just said... John, I really appreciate your efforts and your faith and your prayer and your effort, but you just need to have a go back and have another word with him and tell him if he thinks I'm having my firstborn child in a caravan, he can have another thought. And I literally went out of the kitchen and went, mm, sorry, God, slightly improvement on the caravan if you could. And we did. Four weeks later, the local church heard of our need, rang up, completely nothing to do with me, rang up and said, look, we've heard you guys any need of a home we've got a manse it's, it wasn't a it's like a, a house detached house that we don't our minister's not living in uh, we would love you guys to go live in here and we'll give you a grant to paint it and decorate it and get carpets and you can stay there as long as you want and you know we'll set this rent at this amount but don't worry we're with you and for you so disappointment yeah feeling let down let down by people let down by occasionally people you're working with let down by feeling you let down by God, and that's okay. Oh, my gosh, God knows. He, it's not a surprise if you're feeling... No, it's bad. not. Oh, my God, I don't want to let God know that I'm really struggling. It's like, you don't need to. He already knows anyway, so... Exactly. Yeah, really difficult times. You know, it, it's but it's all it, because the entrepreneurial spirit it enables, you know, that's why I don't like to compare other people say, I could never do that. Well, maybe you couldn't, but I could never do what you do. God's economy and his kingdom is not about special people. It's about everybody doing what they're called to do. And entrepreneurs are called to be entrepreneurs. But you, but you started <clears throat> small. And did you ever think it was going to grow to what it's become today? Did you always have vision for that? Or was it, I'm just going to help the next person and then see what happens? Or, or are you a visionary entrepreneur? I'm not judging either. No, I'm no, just saying. No, they're what? all different. So the first thing I did, I just helped everybody I could. So I was on my own. So I did my own debt counselling, work system out and continued right up to the end, helping people. In fact, I'm helping two people still, even though I'm no longer employed by Cap. I'm supporting people, friends. So basically, I did the small stuff. I did the small stuff, definitely. Faithful in the small, seeing clients, doing that, inviting them for home, giving them meals, inviting them to church, literally, absolutely do the cold face stuff. Entrepreneurs love to do that because that's where they learn about what they're doing. But as well as that, I built with the intention that I am not going to debt counsel 34 people a year for the next 20 years because the need is so vast. I'm going to find a way of de-skilling this so I can train someone else. An eye on growth is also entrepreneurial. It's just in your DNA, you think. And I would then say, as well as those two things, I definitely had some inclination in me. Okay, God, this is one big, massive problem. You want your church to be out in the communities. You want the poor to be helped. Read your Bible and just maybe us. 
So that's, again, a sign of an entrepreneur. They will always have a just maybe, like, you never know what might happen. This might what be if? That's it. So I lived in the hope. I lived in the expectation, but I lived in the actual doing the stuff. Because if you occasionally meet people, it's a brand of entrepreneurship that, yeah, it's not me, but where they can just have a vision for something massive, but they're not the ones who are actually going to go do it. I'm a doing it and an edge towards where we can go, you know. And, and you're an amazing entrepreneur, but you're gospel front and centre. And that was challenged, I'm sure, by some people around you, some government. Uh, you kept gospel front and centre. How do yeah. you maintain that yeah. as an entrepreneur? Because the pressure must have been on, John, to kind yeah. of shift on that. And, and you're dealing with vulnerable people. You're kind of dealing with, you know, yeah. the most broken. And yet you kept gospel front and centre. Yeah, I just think you've just got to have the right heart towards it. I think you've just got to, for me, you know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm really amazed by it. I just believe that Jesus, you know, is there. And who am I to stop the opportunity for Jesus to turn to someone's life? So offering to pray with people, but also when I see some people who really are, you know, like people who are literally, they are evangelists, you know, the fourfold ministry, and you meet them and you just go, seriously, man, get me out of the room. You know what I mean? I, I can't do that. But can I share my life with someone? Yes, I can. And yes, we did. Can I share my faith? So that's not asking them to have faith. That's sharing my faith. Absolutely have done from the moment that I found Christ 30 years ago. And if you share your life and you share your faith, you will share Jesus. You will. Because people, your evangelistic heart for others, your love for others has been shown. Therefore, people will respond. And I think that's one of the reasons why CAP had, yeah, I've got 600 centres of 1,000 frontline staff uh, now. And, you know, they're seeing well over 12,000 individuals in the UK alone find Christ. People say, why is that successful? Because fundamentally, we share life. So we get involved in people's life. They're not an agenda. It's their life. We share our lives. We tell our frontline team, get involved in people's lives. I would say to anybody watching or listening, get involved in people's lives. And as you're involved in people's lives, then when you talk about your faith with a confidence and a humility in God, then I'm telling you that lands in an amazing place. And we have wonderfully in our life outside of CAP have continued throughout our 30 years to see people find faith that we have shared our life and shared our faith with. So for me, it was never an option. And also I can't, say this without just mentioning Matt Barlow. So Matt came alongside me, you know, tw three years in, he took over as CEO 15 years ago, formally and definitely over the last 10 years. And, you know, between us, we had that absolute commitment, no gospel, no cap, no church, no cap, but we learn you've got to come confidently, but it doesn't land in a desert. It lands in relationship. It's a relationship evangelism, love people first, but don't just love people. But just do that. Share your faith. Do not be ashamed of the gospel. Great. That's what we did. And, and you've done a few crazy things, John. I think, did you do four <laughs> marathons to kind of raise money for CAP or something crazy like that? Uh, yeah, it's 15 we did. So we did 15 marathons in a row. You did, personally? Yeah, age 50, yeah. 10 years ago. So, yeah, I got this crazy idea. 15 marathons, that's 26 miles each. A day. 15 days. Uh, in 15 cities, we did five in the UK. It actually took 16 days because we had one day on a plane and we got off at Brisbane and ran a marathon off the plane in Brisbane. So we did 15 marathons as a 16 days. 
five in Australia, five in New Zealand, five in the UK, 15 fundraising dinners. So each day was six hours running, six hours sleeping, six hours traveling and six hours doing a dinner. So I did that for yeah, 16 consecutive days around the world, raised a million quid. And again, that's entrepreneurial ridiculousness. Um, but I actually did 31 marathons that year. I did 16 training marathons. I could run four marathons in a row one a day before we started because people say, oh, you did really well. The 50 marathons was not the issue. The issue was doing it when nobody was watching. The issue was getting up at 5 a.m., running a marathon and going into work at half nine. So it was the training that really did it. The only other crazy thing I did, I ran with two other guys. We raised 700 grand. We ran from Windermere to Ilkley, which is 84 miles, three marathons in one go. You are crazy, John. You are. You, you must be really fit as well. Yeah, I don't run any longer. Uh, by the way, it's pretty obvious why. So my knees aren't great, but I still keep myself very fit. I do high-intensity cross-trainer stuff. John, you're amazing. What would you say to people listening? I don't know, are you 60 now, John? Are you kind of in that ballpark? Last week. Yeah, these 60 are, last week. These are 30-year-olds listening, kind of engaging. What are you going to... What's your final shot to them, John, that on gospel entrepreneurs, what would you tell them to do? What would you invest in them? Yeah, I would say what I would tell my young self. So if I went back 30 years to when I found Christ and yeah, 25 years and I found a cap, I determined I would never get to the end of my life and do not be a shudder, woulda, coulda. Do yeah. not be someone, please, do not be someone. Fail or not, succeed or not, whatever. Please don't get to the end of your life. Because I do meet people. I mean, I don't tell them, but I do meet them. And it sounds really brilliant. They say stuff like this. goes, oh, do you know what? Do you know what? I really could have. I could have. you know what? I could have started. I could have done that. I could have done that. And do you know what? I would have done it if, if the situation hadn't been different at home. I would have done it. I could have done it. Do you know what? I should have done it. And I would and I could have done. But the truth is, at the end of that sentence is, you didn't. Don't live your life as a shoulda, woulda, coulda. Get off your blessed backside and have a flipping go. Have a go and do it for the kingdom of God. Do not do it for yourself. Forget yourself. Do it for the kingdom of God and he will give you the desires of your heart. So do not be a shudder, woulda, coulda. Get off the blessed backside and get doing something for the kingdom of God. That's amazing, John. John Kirkby, it's been amazing talking to you. We so value CAP. And if anyone's struggling, maybe listening to their Christians Against Poverty, They'd love to help. They're here to serve you. Money issues, the debt course, all of that stuff around there. Do get in touch. Thanks, John. Thanks, John, for joining me today. I tell you, his commitment to that ministry was amazing, but where he started was fun as well. Imagine doing 15 marathons over 15 days. That's 26 miles and a gig in the evening. And he's just an entrepreneur. You just can't stop him from doing it. And some of the stories that he's told, right at an early stage, he always was the entrepreneur. But that was taken over by Jesus for the kingdom. Some great insights from John Kirkby. So I'm sure you were inspired. I'll be back next Tuesday with another guest. But until then... You can hear previous episodes on the UCB Player app or wherever you get your podcasts. If you've enjoyed Gospel Entrepreneurs, we would love you to leave a review if you can, but at least pass it on to someone else. Thanks for listening today. Gospel Entrepreneurs, 
is a UCB podcast in partnership with Revelation Trust. My name's Roy Crown. It's been great to be with you today. God bless.